Father, we thank you for this morning we've had together. You are the reason we sing victory in Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, that you find us in all of our various circumstances and we can sing. We can sing in the deepest of sorrows and sadness. We can sing in the greatest times of joy and victory. We thank you for our brothers and sisters who have taken us to the throne of grace. We offer our praise to you in our unworthiness. We, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving us. Lord, now as we come to this time of worship, we pray that you might help us to understand your word and what you have for us, that we might truly seek to experience what you've promised for us, blessed assurance. However, we pray that you might help us not to be deceived. May we not be deceived in our heart and live with false assurance and at the end of life discover that we're not saved. So Lord, we pray for these very important moments while we're here together in your word and we ask that you would forgive our sins so that we might receive humbly your word and that it might make a difference in our hearts and our lives today for eternity. I seek to honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ today. I lift him up. I know that as the Lord Jesus is lifted up, all men will be drawn to him. And we thank you for that promise today that you've given us, Lord. So bless now our time in your word. And thank you for the sweet fellowship in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, and it's good to see all of you. If you are a guest, I'm Pastor Mike. Please let us know in the ways uh, Brother Todd mentioned to you. Fill out the card. Let, see, catch one of us. Uh, uh, find one of us and let us know. We'd love to talk with you about our church and what's going on here. 1 John is where I'd like for you to turn in your Bible this morning. 1 John, we're talking about a very important subject, uh, what I entitled Blessed Assurance. We're talking about, and we're going to be using 1 John, uh, this little letter that John wrote to Christians. Uh, we're going to use 1 John as our basis, as our foundation for understanding what it means to have blessed assurance. Uh, this is my burden as your pastor that I would want us to think about this because there's nothing more important than you nailing down in your life that you are saved and sure of your salvation. And that when you die, whatever circumstances go on in your life between now and your death, you are certain and you are assured that you have victory in Jesus and that you know the Lord. While you're now in 1 John chapter 1, I want you to keep your finger there and just let's go to 1 John chapter 4, verse number 16. This is how we began our time together two weeks ago, if you were not with us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, John gives us these words of assurance. Do you know what it's like? Do you know what it's like? This is a feeling now. This is a spiritual emotion I'm talking about. Do you know what it's like to have blessed assurance? I hope that you can say yes, but you see Christians grow in their assurance of their salvation. And here's the way John describes blessed assurance. 1 John 4, 16. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. That's it. Whatever my life circumstances, whatever difficulties, whatever joys, whatever life brings in my personal life, my family life, in my work life, all of those relationships we have come to know, we have come to know. 
This is an experience. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. And then he goes on and says, God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God. That's where blessed assurance comes from. Abiding in the love of God he has for you because you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And God abides in those who abide in the love of God through Jesus Christ. But then we come now, as John opens his letter, he gives some warnings about the danger of not having true assurance of salvation. And today we look at this very, and so as important as it is for us to get to what it means to have blessed assurance and what that looks like, church, I must do my duty. I must talk to you about the danger of false assurance. And today we focus on the danger of self-righteousness. Last week, we went away from 1 John and looked at the horrible condition of most of the lost world today. They live with self-assurance. They have assured themselves there is no God. God doesn't care if there is a God and I can do whatever I want. And they discover in the end of life at death that not knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior ends in eternal hell. So today we come to the warning, John's first warning of two, about the danger of false assurance for the religious. For the religious. So we read here, 1 John chapter 1, verse number 5. This is the message, John is saying, which we have heard from him, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Now notice, please, all of the rest of these verses down through verse 10 use the phrase if, or use the word if. Here's a condition that all of us have to determine. Everyone in this room, everyone listening to my voice online, you have to determine your own condition. If we say, it's what you're saying now that matters here. What are you saying about your relationship to God? If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse 7, the remedy. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Second situation, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Solution, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Another of our conditions, verse 10, to see if there is self-righteousness in our life. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher in Jesus' name. Amen. Our focal truth here on the screen is this. The self-righteous confesses to be saved, but lives like the unsaved. The self-righteous, the self-righteous religious person, the self-righteous confesses to be saved, but lives like the unsaved. This is a terrible condition to be in. Today, I ask you this question as I've asked every week and will continue to ask week by week. Are you 100% sure today? I'm asking you, not your neighbor. I'm asking you today. This is my conversation with you personally. Today, I'm asking you, 
where you are, where your soul is in relationship to Jesus Christ. Today, are you 100% certain, assured that when you die, and you will die, that you will go to heaven? Well, you see, some answer that with false assurance. That's why we're taking the time at the beginning. This is why John begins this letter in this way. To warn us of this danger, you see, the church is filled. The professing church, the church, First Baptist Church, and churches all over this globe, the church is filled with a mixture of people who have false assurance and those who have blessed assurance. Oh, they seem to look alike, but they're very different. And today we uh, open up, we uncover the danger of self-righteousness that leads to self-assurance, which leads to death and destruction. Yes, there were false teachers who were saying these things in the church there where John was speaking. And many of them finally left the church uh, when they were speaking these things. But it remains a factor in the church today. This is not just some historic issue that John dealt with. This is an issue for the church today. I'm asking you today, do you have assurance of your salvation? Do you know that you know that you know you're saved? Well, it's not based on what you do. It's based on the finished work of Christ as we've talked about for such a long time considering the high priesthood of Christ. But now we come to this. This comes to a matter of your soul and your experience with God. And so today we see the danger of self-righteousness that produces a false assurance of salvation. You see, a person's confession of faith, my dear friends, must be tested by their walk of faith. A person's confession of faith. So here we have it, verse 6. If we say, verse number 8, if we say, and in verse number 10, if we say, what are you saying as a religious person about your relationship to God? A person's confession of faith in Jesus Christ must be tested by their walk of faith. And blessed assurance comes to those whose confession of faith matches their walk of faith. So we see these three observations that I have for you today. Number one is found from verse number six. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Number one, the self-righteous confess that they have fellowship with God, but do not practice the truth of God. The self-righteous say some things. They say religious things. Well, I have fellowship with God. I have a relationship with God. I know God. I know the Bible. I go, I go to worship. I worship. I have, I have a relationship with God, but they live a life of sinfulness. They live, as I said at the beginning, as unsaved people, though they say they're saved. This becomes a great problem. Sometimes we call this hypocrisy. That is, I'm saying one thing and I'm doing another. That is, that my public, uh, my public uh, demeanor seems to be religious. Those that are self-righteous religious people, I, I seem to be religious. I know the right words to say. It's very true in the South. Very true where we live around here, y'all. It's very important that you remember this. We all know the words. A lot of people grew up in church. They don't go to church anymore. When they finally get past it, they don't really care about God. That means they never did care about God. Knowing a lot of words, saying a lot of religious things, 
I know God, I walk with God, and yet when they go to work, and yet when they're at home, and yet we're in there in that private secret place where nobody else sees them, their secret life does not match up to their public life and their words. So, the, so John says to us, if we say we have fellowship with him, I want to challenge you for a moment about saying you have fellowship with God. John understood and learned these words from the Lord Jesus. He learned these words from John chapter 3. I'm convinced these were the words that really were impressed upon John as he wrote these words to us. I'm going to read it. If you have your Bible open, you want to keep your place there. John chapter 3. After the most famous words in all the Bible, John 3, 16, what does the Lord Jesus say? Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus. They're red letter words. They're for all of us to hear. Hear what the Lord Jesus said. Verse 19. This is the judgment. That the light has come into the world. That is the Lord Jesus. He is the light. The light has come into the world. And men love the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light. And does not come into the light. For fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth. Isn't that what John says in this very verse? If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. What is practicing the truth? It's believing the gospel. It's repenting of your sin. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ. But he who practices the truth comes to the light. Yes, we come to Jesus. And so his deeds are made manifest that they've been wrought by God. Now, let's go back and think about this from 1 John again. If we say we have fellowship with God, it's a, very, it's a very serious thing to say you have fellowship with God. You're making a testimony. Look what John said already about fellowship with God. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. He says, we, that is the apostles, we have seen and heard and we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard. John said, I'm an eyewitness. I heard Jesus Christ. I touched him with my own hands. I walked with him for three years. I saw him die on the cross. I saw him raised from the dead. I saw him ascend to heaven. So as an eyewitness, he says, what we have seen, what we've heard, we proclaim to you. So that you, all of us, who hear these words from the Bible, who hear John's testimony, so that you may have, please notice, fellowship with us. That's what happens in the Christian church. When I get saved, I get saved with all of my brothers and sisters in Christ. And now we have joint fellowship with God together. And notice he says our fellowship is also with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. If you say you have a relationship with God, that means you spend time with God. That means you pray. That means you have worship. That means you deal seriously with your spiritual life. If you say that you have fellowship with God and that, you, and that you know God, that means there's a difference in the way you live. He says it again in his solution in verse number 7. If we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Those are the two parts of the Christian life. Fellowship with one another and fellowship with God. How does that come to be in my life? When I'm saved. So you see, the self-righteous are those who say, well, I am in the light. But what did the Lord Jesus say? They love the dark better than they love the light. It doesn't matter what you say if your secret life is a life of sinfulness and godlessness. If the way you think and the way you deal with others and the way you... If you have a double life, if you're living a double life today, 
You're living a secret life of sinfulness, and yet you come and stand up here in the light, or you walk around the church and you do some duty, and yet you're a liar in that. You're lying. It's not true of you. You're living as a hypocrite. That's the danger of self-righteousness. It leads, it leads to number two. The self-righteous deceive themselves, and they confess that they're sinless. This seems to be outrageous. But it's true. Self-righteous people really don't believe they're sinners. And that includes people who go to church and know all about sin. Notice what he says in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, if we say I'm sinless, if I say I'm sinless, we're deceiving ourselves. The greatest deception is the deception of your heart and mind. You cannot trust your heart. You cannot trust your fleshly heart and its emotions. You can only trust God to change your heart and listen to the Holy Spirit as He reveals Himself through the Word of God. It is a dangerous thing to trust your heart. It's a dangerous thing to listen to your heart. And here we see the deception. First, an outward lie, verse 6. I know God, but I live like the devil. Now, we see what happens on the inside. There, it started with a lie to myself. I'm not, really, I'm not really a sinner. You see, dear friends, the majority of people in the world laugh that we spend so much time in the church talking about sin. They're not really sinners. This is why you can never be, listen, you can never be saved until you come to take seriously sin. That's why the Ten Commandments to so many are such a joke. You see, the law of God is laid out. You shall not, you shall not, you shall not. And man says, I sure will, I sure will, I sure will. I quoted it to you last week. I quoted to you again today. The psalm said, sin speaks to the heart of a sinner. That's what happens. But you see, the people who are born into this world who reject the truths of God say, well, I'm not really a sinner. I'm just made this way. I can do whatever I want because I'm, I'm my own person. I can make my own truth and I, I'm not a sinful person. Oh, I might make some mistakes here and there. I might have some errors in my life. I might, I might be guilty of making some missteps along the way, but I'm, I'm not a sinner. Don't call me a sinner. Some are offended to be talked to that way. Some are offended when you come to them and say, did you know the Bible says... All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And they, 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 they step back and they're offended and they call us names and say that we're accusing them. We're being hateful. We're being rude. You see, those who are self-righteous live with self-deception. And this self-deception says to them, you're okay. That's why John says they're deceiving themselves. There's no truth in them. You're either living in falsehood in your mind, your mind is in error, or you're living in the truth that is revealed from God's Word. You'll never get the truth from the world. You'll never get the truth from the crowd. You'll never get the truth from people who say, well, you're okay, just do whatever you want to do. The self-righteous are convinced that they are not sinners from birth. 
They are convinced that they're not guilty of sin. Guilt is a thing we put on them in the church. God wants to put guilt on you. You shouldn't be guilty about anything you do. Do whatever you want to do. Don't worry about it. Just be happy. They're not responsible for sin because they're not sinners. But the old question from the Word of God is this. Who can say? Who can say? I have cleansed my heart and I am pure from my sin. That's the question of the Word of God. Who can say it? Who can really tell the truth and say they have not sinned? Oh, I'm not talking about people today who are broken by their sin, who are discouraged by their sin, who really truly come to Jesus, but they think, I've been such a sinner God can never forgive me. See, those are the ones who come to be saved and grow in assurance. But oh, these are the people who stand in defiant self-righteousness in the face of God's word, refusing to say, I am a sinner. They're like this religious man that Jesus talked about, the Pharisee, who stood in prayer, by the way, wanting to be seen. Self-righteous people want to be seen being religious. There's something to that. There's a plus mark. Oh, you might, you might get a plus mark for being self-righteous if you show up at church because after all, that'll help your business, won't it? There's, a, there's a, an, an advantage of being self-righteous and showing up to church because there you might not only stir up some business, you might discover there's some other people that you want to associate outside who do the same things as you. They don't really live for God. They've, they're living a double life too. You know, oh, their self-righteousness says, well, you know, I, I want to be seen in my religion. I want to be seen as one who's very gracious in my giving. I want to be seen as someone who can preach the Bible or speak or worship or whatever it may be. I want to be seen as serving other people when their heart is far from God. Their mouth talks about God, but he's not there. They've deceived themselves and this Pharisee prayed. What did he pray? You know this prayer. I'm speaking to a very educated group of people in this church who know your Bible. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. That's what the self-righteous man or woman prays. God, I thank you I'm special. I thank you I'm special. I'm not a swindler. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not even like this tax collector. You see, they deceive themselves and there is no truth in them. The self-righteous deceives himself, confessing to be sinless. And here's the fact. When you are self-righteous, you see no need to confess sin. You know why? Because you don't sin. Why do I have, why do I have to confess sin when I don't sin? Oh, it is a terrible trap to live in the bondage of self-righteousness. I don't think this church takes it seriously. I don't think we appreciate the danger of this because we can say and hear and know all the right words religiously and spiritually and yet our heart be far away from God and we can be living a life of secret hypocrisy and denying that we are sinners and we're going to do whatever we want. Be careful if sin is speaking to your heart rather than the Holy Spirit because sin will take you away. And how sad it is to see how self-assurance and self-righteousness are linked together in the danger of holding people in bondage. 
And so finally, the self-righteous confess that they have not sinned. Please notice, this is not the same thing. This is something different. Look again at the three dangers, the three characteristics of self-assurance. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship and we walk in darkness, we lie. Verse number 8, if we say that we have, not, have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Number 3, verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, well, as the man said, who had committed adultery against his wife. Well, my wife never did anything for me, and I deserve to have a better, a better relationship with a woman. Oh, okay, so that means what? Well, I didn't sin. She made me sin. I did what I did because they caused me to sin. I said that ugly, evil thing about that person because they provoked me. It's not your fault, is it? You're not responsible for anything. It's somebody else's job, right? You're not responsible. You can do whatever you want. And everybody else can cover for it. Sounds like little spoiled brat kids, doesn't it? You're not responsible, are you? So you don't sin. You've never sinned. You see, the self-righteous not only deceive themselves, but as a result of that, they don't pray and ask God to forgive them. They don't pray and ask God for forgiveness. They're not broken by their sin. They don't wake up every morning saying, I must kill sin or sin will kill me today as a believer. They live their lives saying, I've not sinned. I don't need to confess. There's no sinfulness of sin. All of this in the Bible, all this talk. Why do I need? I, I'm not. I, everything that happens to me is caused from somebody else. I don't do anything. They deny the truth of God, as I said earlier, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They deny the truth of God. Paul says it in Romans 3. There are none, listen, there are none righteous, no, not one. There's not one self-righteous person, not one, who will ever be right with God. Self-righteousness blocks our relationship with God and the self-righteous, frankly, defy God's truth that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Self-righteousness will block and, and bring into bondage greater self-deceit and that's why it's so important for you to ask yourself today, am I a sinner? And am I a saved sinner who still has great capacity in my old sinful nature to sin? Look, this is one of the terrible, terrible dangers that Christians overlook. Why do you think that the Lord would say to that very last church in the book of Revelation what he said? Was it not because of their self-righteousness? The Lord says to the Laodicean church in Revelation 3, He says, because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. You see, that's what self-righteous people say. I've got everything I need. I don't need God for anything. I don't need to confess my sin. Why, I don't need to go to God daily in prayer and ask the Lord to forgive me, though they forget that Christians pray this. What did the Lord teach us to pray, my friends? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us. You see, because I am greatly forgiven and the love of God has been shown to me, you know what? I extend forgiveness and love to everybody.
Not just to a few, but to everybody. So the self-righteous man or woman finds themselves in great danger. Number one, as I've said, they have declared with their mouth they have fellowship with God. I'm a Christian. And yet they live and practice wickedness and sin. Number two, the self-righteous declare and, excuse me, deceive themselves inside and say, well, you know what? I'm really not even a sinner. This is not even my issue. And that's why I'm not going to go up there and listen to that anymore. I'm not going to read the Bible. I'm not going to listen to all of that. All the church seems to talk about sin. Yes, because sin is what keeps us from a relationship with God. Your sins have separated you far from God, the prophet said. All of sin that keeps us from a relationship with God. Yes, we have to talk about sin in order to celebrate and praise God for the great salvation we have in Jesus Christ. And then finally, the self-righteous, well, they don't sin. They don't sin. So what do we remember today? What do we do? Well, here's what I want to do just as we finish. Please stay with me. You see what John does is he gives us, first of all, a characteristic of self-righteousness, but then he gives us a quality of how to remedy it. How do I, how do I get my life right? How do I get out of self-righteousness? Well, the first of these is this. Know that the light of God comes in Jesus Christ. God is light. Oh, how we love the light. How we love the light. How the light, the light, the natural light created by God in this world warms us. It brings life. It gives us joy. Oh, there's such a, there's such a joyfulness when the sun is shining. Uh, and so here we see in verse number 5, 1 John 1, 5. The, this is the message. I'm going to declare it again today. God is light, church. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. And who is the light? Well, coming to the light is the Lord Jesus. He said, I am the light of the world. John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world, and he who follows me, listen, if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. Are you following Jesus Christ today? That's how you keep yourself out of the darkness. That's how you grow and experience abundant life. Oh, that's where assurance comes from. As I follow Jesus, I gain assurance that I am his and he is mine. And then he says in verse 7, walk in the light. If we walk in the light, as he is in, in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. It's hard to understand and read this in our English translation. But this is, a, this is a present tense picture here. If we continue to fellowship, if we walk in the light continually, we will continually have fellowship with one another. That's what church is all about. The saved who join together, who have been forgiven of our sins, made children of God, we fellowship together, and the blood of Jesus keeps cleansing us from our sin. Oh, the blood of Jesus. And then finally, what is the remedy? We confess our sins. We bring them into the light. You know, when I come to know Jesus Christ, it means I step out of the darkness. I step out of the darkness. And I step into the light. I don't practice two double lives anymore. My life secretly and my life publicly are the same. What I say publicly about Jesus, I do privately with the Lord when I pray and when I walk with Him. 
I have, a, I have one life. I'm walking in the light. And God knows everything that's in me. He understands my thoughts. He understands my motivations. He sees my relationships. And as I walk with Jesus, there grows this experience of being able to say what John said. I read it to you at the beginning, 1 John 4, 16. We have come to know and believed the love which God has for us. And I hope that's true for every one of you today. But for some of you today, the Word of God has exposed your self-righteousness. That's right. You are guilty. Oh, I'm not guilty. Oh, the Word of God says you are. The Word of God says you're guilty of sin. The Word of God is warning you that your self-righteousness is leading to self-assurance. And if you live your life with self-assurance, one day you'll wake up when you die in the place of hell rather than the place of heaven. You see, all of my dear friends who are here today, you must settle this personally for yourself. And before we can ever think about and encourage ourselves with, with a blessed assurance, we must, we must evaluate ourselves and say, am I living with self-righteousness rather than in the righteousness of Christ? And so today we thank God for the glory that is ours. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins to the praise of the glory of His grace. Hallelujah. The Lord Jesus is at the door. He is coming again. The urgency of His coming. He's at the door. When He's ready, He will step forward. He will come through. Prepare yourself. And we pray as a church, come Lord Jesus.